Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. We're both on the road this week as Donald Trump wraps up his first 100 days as president. Today we talk about the policy and the politics of the week. This is Sarah from New Orleans. And Beth from D.C. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. And I am just calling in on the phone, which is why our audio is less than great. But um, I know that y'all understand, and we'll just shine it on this week, and we'll be back to the super nice audio next week. So it'll be okay. How's your trip going, Sarah? Um, great. I have my seven-year-old, my five-year-old in New Orleans. We're doing a lot of walking, but they're keeping up. They're not complaining. We're eating amazing food. I had a soft-shell crab po' boy for lunch today, which was phenomenal. And enjoying this. The weather's perfect. New Orleans is as charming as it was the last time I was here. It is um, more dirty than I remembered. I think that's because I have a five-year-old touching everything and then putting his hands in his mouth. So that's probably why I'm noticing it more this time. 
but we are having a fantastic time. How about you? How's DC? Oh, it's good. I love DC. It doesn't love me back. So that's why you can hear in my voice, my allergies are going crazy, but I love it here. I have loved box conversations. I've met so many interesting people, hopefully lots of people who can come on as guests to talk about their policy expertise. Um, and I've thought all the deep thoughts. We do not have children with us. Chad is with me for work and my mom is keeping our girls. And I have to say that my mornings have been luxurious because we haven't started super early. We're in this delightful Airbnb. Shout out to Kurt, who is our host. He's been amazing. And um, I have just gotten myself and no one else ready. So yeah, that's nice. Um, What are the, what are your big takeaways from Vox so far? Mm. Gosh, I've thought so much at Vox about what we're doing in the context of the landscape because so much of the conversation is about polarization and Mm -hmm. how do we start conversations across the aisle. I found myself in lots of sessions thinking like, well, we've been at this for a year. So we Mm -hmm. got some tips on it. Um, Way to catch up, guys. Yeah, I'm glad you're there, though. Hooray. I also have been really interested. This is kind of a small point, but it's a thread that has kept coming up. Um, people aren't moving as much as they used to. And hmm. millennials are less likely than previous generations to move for jobs. And I think there are economic reasons. That you know. is very interesting. But, but when, you, when you start unpacking that, you know, moving's expensive. When you move, you leave the social stru- structures that have been supporting you. I mean, there's just a lot about that that's really fascinating to me, especially when you layer on all the comments about how we've, we've clustered ourselves into homogeneous groups. And then if those groups are entrenched and not moving around, I mean, there are a lot of implications of that. Well, and I think that the millennial group, and this is the part of the generation that I really um, identify with, which is that I, you know, I don't think there's a sort of traditional idea of kind of capturing the brass ring and succeeding at all costs. And that's what matters. And your job is what matters. I think millennials have a fuller sense of what it means to be happy and what it means to have success. And it's not just, you know, go to move to the big city and make your mark that it's, um, sort of, it it can mean more than that. I mean, I think that's definitely, um, my personal experience and why I left DC and moved back to Paducah is because I, I wanted to, pursue certain career paths, but I didn't want to do that at the cost of everything else. And I think, I wonder if that's some of the, the undercurrent of that millennial decision-making as well. I think that there is definitely an undercurrent throughout a lot of discussions of the fact that millennials, and I sort of hate to talk about that because it's becoming cliche, right? And millennials certainly aren't homogenous as a group, but But this generation and the generation that is going to be in leadership positions, you know, within the foreseeable future does crave meaning in a way that institutions seem to impede and maybe not just institutions, but traditional structures. Like I was thinking a lot about work and the future of work at this conference. Mm -hmm. I said in a discussion about the gig economy, um, a lot of conversation just about uh, power and leadership styles And really, all of our current structures, if you think about it, are in place almost purposefully to erode meaning in service Mm. of some other short-term objective. And so, I don't know, I'm going to be thinking about that for a while, too. I mean, I had a side conversation with someone who was talking about a particular type of institutional structure, and, and it's something that he studied quite a bit. And he said, honestly, like, 
when I look at my students and the and hear the way they think about things, I'm not sure this structure is worth preserving because it's so yeah. misaligned with their value systems. Right. No, I think that's true. I mean, I think that that's a conversation we had over and over again at the first Vox conversation I went to, which was, are our institutions um, just not, you know, that's sort of Ezra Klein's big takeaway, who's the founder of Vox and a journalist, and said, I don't think our institutions are up for the challenges of our current time period. I just don't. They're they're outdated. They're not adaptable. They're not efficient. But I don't know how we work on those institutions or change those institutions without sort of some 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 hard voices. Well, hard I mean, some of those institutions, I think that you do have to decide whether they're worth working on or not. Can they adapt? Yeah. Maybe not. I mean, that's when, when you start talking about the gig economy, it makes me sort of excited because I think maybe that's better. You know, there, yeah. there are challenges around that too, to be sure. But maybe that's better than than being sort of locked in with an employer uh, for a, a variety of reasons and feeling trapped. I mean, when I think about the physical and mental health issues in the United States, which were also prevalent topics throughout this conversation, I think many of them are linked to the unhappiness people feel in their work and the entrapment that they have around it. Yeah. Well, and I just finished our book club book for April, the middle crisis of the middle class constitution or the middle class constitution crisis. I can't remember right now. Um, it's so good. And actually the author I met at Vox conversation last year. So how about that? He's going to come oh, on our show. Fun. And he, um, there's this really great point he makes at the end that like the sort of accepted approach was let's make changes on the margins really almost by both parties. But I think particularly sort of the, I would argue that, you know, the democratic intelligentsia, um, which is, you know, let's just, let's tweak it. Let's, let's get some better data, better studies. Once we get at the margin, he's like, it's not working. People don't like it. It's making them more mad. And our institutions are, have bigger problems than we can tweak at the margins. And I thought that was such a good point. Oh, I think that's so right. And data has come up a lot, which isn't surprising at a Vox conference, but I've been thinking a whole lot about how, we're missing the mark with people who don't love policy and don't love politics by mm-hmm. thinking, I think what people hear when there's so much, especially now there's this fierce defense of data, right? In the face of Donald Trump, there's this sense of like, let's celebrate, let's even march for facts, right? And I believe in facts too. I also think though, that we have to understand that the existence of your data does not negate my anecdote just as Mm. multiple versions of my anecdote does not equal data data doesn't eviscerate the the very real impact of my anecdote and and politics has to make space for all of that information and where it can't be reconciled or where hard choices have to be made or priorities established my takeaway, as simple and perhaps naive as it might sound, is we just need to be more honest about that and label it, right? Yeah. Because Because I think what we're doing today instead is trying to just fight the point. Right. Well, because you're arguing with people's emotions. We've talked about this with the election before. And I do think there's a difference between sort of there's facts, there's data, there's emotions, there's opinions, and there's all these gradations in between. And I think that data is important 
very important. But I also think that we have relied on it too heavily in certain points. And that's sort of this idea of the data will save us, which I think, you know, there's a lot of really interesting um, people thinking and writing and talking about this idea of like, let's not put all our eggs in the data basket. That's not a good idea. Um, I think that some of them might have been on the Hillary Clinton campaign, for example. So I think that, you know, you have to, it has to all come with a grain of salt and, you know, I my big takeaway from this election was you cannot, it's it, for probably the first 30 years of my life, I thought if I just show the right article or I give people the right study, they'll see they're wrong. And it doesn't work like that. <laughs> the emotions and the stories you tell in your head are not going to be undone by one really great social science study. It's just, it doesn't work like that. Right. And so how do you put data in its proper place, stacked up against ideology, values, um, norms, anecdotes, and and recognize that maybe the proportion of those things or the emphasis on those things has to vary by subject matter too. Mm-hmm. Well, so we haven't had a lot of time to dive into the news this week. I thought we could just do sort of our lightning round of the headlines here, and then we can piece these topics apart in later episodes. Does that work for you? I love a lightning round. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are going to last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and Jean also has press-ons if you want. What I love, though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. They say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsu for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? 
Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things. Big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash pantsuit. So issue number one, Michael Flynn continues to be in hot water. And I think it's really interesting how Jason Chaffetz is going after him hard on his way out the door. Oh, I don't know if that's just to make Jason Chaffetz look better or like, like he's doing something. I'm suspicious of why he's not running again, period. So I don't really think that he's like, well, I'm not running. I can do the right thing. I'm, just, I'm not sure I'm all the way there yet. But Michael Flynn has done some illegal stuff, it appears, that we have both um, both me- members of both parties saying that it appears he broke the law. Now, that's not a charge. That's not a... It's anything not even official criminal yet. law, right? I mean, it's it's right. It's law, but it's not criminal law. But Dude took payments from foreign governments and then lied about it. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if he is going to be scapegoated. I don't care if he is. I don't really think there's a way to get around the fact that you hired someone as the national security advisor, even if he wasn't the national security advisor for very long. The fact that you hired someone who took payments from Russia as such an incredibly important position, if we think that that's the beginning and the end of this sort of mismanagement at best, um, and I don't even know what at worst, then I think we're fooling ourselves. Lightning round issue number two. The White House released a one-page memo outlining its bullet points on tax reform. Have you seen this memo, Sarah? I have not seen the memo, but I have read about the tax reform, and it makes me furious. What's your initial emotional reaction? Well, my initial emotional reaction is not very um, insightful or nuanced, but I just want to talk for a second about the font used in this one-page memo, (laughs) because I think that it is so, like, it's such an indicator of how amateur Things are looking out of this White House. Like, it's just crazy to me. Steve Mnuchin has said that he's had 100 staffers working on this. And it looks like something that I, like, made on my Mac. I could do better on my Mac, to be honest with you, um, in a couple of seconds. So so that's weird. You know, here's the thing. This memo says even less than Trump said on the campaign trail about tax reform. Now, I understand that there's a sense of maybe we're learning some lessons, like the health care proposal didn't go well, so we're putting this out as an opening volley, and they've said they're going to invite different constituencies in to talk about it, but I don't think it's very far down the field at all. I heard this great comment on Morning Joe where someone was saying, look, Trump is viewing this 100-day mark, this week before the 100-day mark, as sweeps week. And he's producing huh. sweeps. And I think that is dead on. I don't think they intend to do anything with this. They're just putting stuff out 
because it's a big week in politics, right? And they're playing to the media that way. So I've said on this podcast before that now my sort of least biggest concern about Trump is him using the office to make money. I would like to officially retract that statement because I think what I really meant was I was compartmentalizing and trying hard, desperately hard not to think about that part of it. But because of this book um, that I was just talking about, our April book clip, the middle class, the crisis of the middle class constitution, which goes into a lot about the exploitation of our democratic process by rich people. The idea that this, then I read the New York times editorial board, um, piece on the inauguration and all the money that poured into them, particularly the part that infuriated me was money pouring in from the company that polluted Charleston, West Virginia's water. And then him openly saying, I gave all this money and I expect to see results. And then we know that he were, he um, drew back the regulations on runoff within coal and energy companies. And just that in combination with this tax proposal, which is basically, here's all the ways I would like to not pay as many taxes as an incredibly wealthy individual really has me fired up. I don't think I'm, I'm officially done sort of trying to ignore this part of it. I mean, I thought I needed to focus on the bigger things. and I think we still need to focus on the bigger things, but this man's just total inability to see the wave and his conflict of interest, or maybe he doesn't have an ability. Maybe he sees the way that he's exploiting this, the most powerful office, in the world and definitely in our country to make money is, Oh, I can barely stand it. I was surprised at the visceral reaction I had to walking by the post office in DC that's been converted into a Trump hotel. I don't Uh, know what it was about that, but Chad and I stopped and stared at it and I said, Chad, like, this is so, there's something about this that's so jarring. And I think it is the appearance of what was clearly a government building. You know, it has that beautiful architecture and that sort of impressive stature. And then it has the gold Trump lettering and knowing that that's our president. It's just, it doesn't Gross. feel like America. Gross. It doesn't feel like America. Oh, yeah, I'm getting... I'm getting real riled up. I, I I anticipate after our conversation about the book, I'm going to be even more riled up. I'm just warning you all now. I could be I could be going back to my protested old Navy days over the the rich exploiting the all the things. So just prepare yourself. <laughs> so Republicans are trying to get health care reform done again. I think this is part of sweep sweep. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. <laughs> um, I did get to hear. Uh, Senator Bill Cassidy, he's a physician from Louisiana who's in the United States Senate, talk about this a little bit with Sarah Cliff, which was an excellent conversation. And Sarah Cliff really knows her shit about welfare, welfare for sure. She totally knows health care. And he said, look, the Senate probably won't even vote on the American Health Care Act. Like, if the House wants to yeah. get together, fine, but the Senate's not going to do that. We're going to do our own thing. And I actually really liked what he described as the Senate's own thing. I think we should give that more time in another episode um, because it is complicated and worthy of discussion. But to me, the takeaway was whatever the House is doing is just theatrics right now. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement 
and conducted clinical studies so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. I will say that it's worth noting that the house isn't even doing those theatrics well because there was a ton of confusion over Sarah Cliff's reporting that the house had exempted Congress members from some provisions of the American Health Care Act, just like Republicans have been berating Democrats about doing forever. And some congressmen didn't know that amendment was in there and some of them knew but said it was a mistake and it should be coming out. I mean, it was just total pandemonium, it sounds like. So uh, that's a fun little detail. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, that's my lightning round feedback on their <laughs> sad attempt to, to resurrect this. Bless their hearts. 
Bless so, their hearts. Um, President Obama, it's reported, has a very lucrative speaking engagement planned for September. Everything President Obama does from here on out is going to be very lucrative, so people probably should get over that. Does that trouble you in any way? No. Interesting. Not even a little bit. Because, well, I mean, he's giving half of his book proceeds to charity. They're going to pour a lot of money into their foundation. I'm sure a lot of that's where that's going to go. I just, you know, I think that the Obamas sacrificed their privacy probably for the rest of their, definitely for the rest of their lives. They made, you know, big sacrifices for this country. I mean, do we want him to work for free and just live off his presidential salary? That doesn't seem, or his, I think they get, I think they get paid. Maybe they don't still get paid. I don't remember, but no, it doesn't bother me, especially because it's not like that, you know, the Obamas have some sort of portfolio inheritance income they're living off of. So no, it doesn't bother me. There is a big difference between working for free and $400,000 for one speech on healthcare. Mm. But, but he's I take the, the president, you know, <laughs> he's, he's the president and not, and not just, you know, the other thing about Obama sort of how I feel about him is that it's not just that it's his experience as president. He also, as we all can see from having a president who doesn't know what he's talking about, like he really knows what he's talking about. He brings value. It's not like you're just, it's just, you know, sort of stargazing. He really, you know, brings it to the table and has insight and is helpful. And yeah, I mean, what, what do you think he should make? What would make everybody feel better? Well, I don't think anything will make everybody feel better because of the sort of hypocrisy of it. I don't care that much about this. I was curious about what your reaction but it's not would like be. He was out there busting on her in the primaries for speaking for a lot of money. Well, but he has talked you know a lot I mean? about the influence of money in politics, and he and Michelle Obama are young people who, no doubt, are going to have some kind of political engagement. And so, I mean, it's an interesting, whatever. It's not worth spending a lot of time on, but I do. Well, and the other thing I think, if you, I think that Obama said a lot about money in politics. But if you watch the progress, like in that book, he talks about how, like, in the first inauguration. Oh no, that wasn't in the book. It was in the New York Times um, editorial about the inauguration. It was like in his first inauguration, he capped it at fifty thousand. By his second inauguration, he capped it at two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So. I mean, the progress is the money gets in and influences people and they decide that, you know, I can hold out or I can face this down and still make my decisions or whatever they decide. So, I mean, he's, I, I have a lot of admiration for Barack Obama. I think he's a great president, but he's not, I mean, the, the just don't hate the player, hate the game, I guess is what I'd say. Yeah. I, I also feel like President Obama kind of kind of get to pass for me sometimes, but that's okay. Yeah. I have those people too. So I have one more thing to just mention. Um, I think we should do this in the pearls on Tuesday, but um, I didn't want it to seem like we glossed over the fact that a federal judge has um, enjoined another one of the executive orders, this one on sanctuary cities. So um, I think that deserves more time than we have in this briefcase. If you want a quick overview of my thoughts on that, including my belief that sanctuary cities should be celebrated by conservatives as um, a shining example of what local control looks like, you can check out our Twitter feed and we'll discuss that again on Tuesday. Sarah, I have the best thing in the world for the Friday feedback. I know. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear it. So there's a little bit of static in this, but I hope that you'll agree with me that it's worth it. All of the listeners who joined me for dinner on Wednesday night while I was in D.C., which was delightful, um, hung around for a few minutes to just talk about their experience of that dinner. So we're going to play that for you now. 
So I'm here in Logan Circle with the most amazing group of Pansy Politics listeners, and I wanted to let everyone introduce themselves. And we had a lot of fascinating discussion during dinner. And so when you introduce yourself, if you want to say something that interested you at dinner, that would be awesome. Hi, I'm Bryn, girl Bryn, not boy Bryn. (laughs) And um, I thought we had a really good discussion about the um, sort of different groups in America and what matters to different people. Hi, I'm Michael, and I really enjoyed getting to know everyone and their background at dinner. Hi, this is Tamala, and I had a really good conversation with everyone about how we prioritize things and um, making sure that politics is about the individual and not about the external-facing um, person or ideology to fight against. This is Eliza. It was great to meet so many other fantastic Pantsy Politic listeners. Um, and I enjoyed, this is a nerdy thing, but I enjoyed our discussion about the uh, different television shows across the political spectrum. <laughs> Hi, this is Marley, and I also loved meeting so many different Pantsuit Politics listeners here. I'm so glad that I have a group of people that I know listen to this show. And I loved, we had a great discussion about technology and how that platform has changed the political discussion, especially in the last couple of years. So that was really interesting. And this is Ayla, and I also enjoyed meeting many different Pantsuit Politics listeners. Um, I thought it was really interesting, our discussion about connecting with others from the other side or different ideologies and how you maintain those relationships. Uh, This is Fred. Thanks to Beth and Sarah for putting on such a great uh, podcast. Uh, I enjoyed our conversation particularly about how we engage with each other uh, despite our differences in an attempt to find out what it means to be uh, an American uh, polity. Uh, This is Ben. I so enjoyed getting to hear from Uh, The other side of pantsuit politics, we hear Sarah and Beth talk all the time, but we don't really get to hear each other talk, which was really fantastic. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation that was going around tonight about, um, again, separating politics and our connection to politics uh, with other aspects of our life and uh, how we need to work on some healthy ways to do that. Hi, this is Sarah. Um, I also had a really great time tonight meeting Beth and all of the other Pantsuit Politics listeners. And I really enjoyed the conversation that I had about how politicians can better appeal to voters in the Midwest and come up with better policies and, and ideologies that will not pander to that population, but actually more directly address their concerns. So... This is Caitlin, and I really enjoyed hearing about how we need to genuinely listen to each other and um, have the value in having partnerships and friendships across the aisle. So thanks for suffering through our less than awesome audio as we are both out of town this week. Um, Beth at Vox Conversations and me in New Orleans with my family. As always, we want to thank all of our subscribers, but particularly Melissa, Tracy, Tracy, Ashley, Audrey, Christine, Nicolette, Paige, Sydney, and Priya, and Bryn, who Sarah often describes as the North Star. North Star. Happy birthday, Bryn. I think that today is the day this podcast is coming out is your birthday. So happy birthday from Pantsy Politics. We'll be back with you on Tuesday for another episode. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all.
Thank you to our producer, Nicholas Holland, and to our chief creative officer, Dante Lima, for all the work they do to make Pantsuit Politics possible. And to all of you for making this community so special. Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Pantsuit Politics, or Instagram at Pantsuit Politics. Please leave us your feedback and send us your ideas for show topics and Pantsuit Primers on social media, or you can email us at sarah at or beth at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.